Welcome to the Scout Team MVPs podcast, your home for weekly sports talk, where we break down all of your favorite teams, players, and upcoming matchups. Here are your hosts, the Scout Team MVPs. That's right, we are the Scout Team MVPs, and we are one MVP short today. I am your host, Chris McMillan, and with me, as always, is Rob Guthrie. Shane Burlick is out on a work assignment this week. He got a little busy, couldn't join us today, but we're just a, a two-man MVP group today. Rob, do I got you on the line? Yep. Yes, I'm here. Uh, it's unfortunate about Shane, but that makes my arguments a lot easier to win, that's for sure. Yeah, you're kind of arguing against yourself for the most part. Uh, so maybe maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe we'll do such a good job today or such a bad job today, you know, that will kind of dictate if we if we ever want Shane back on the show. Yeah, I, I feel like I have to have a split personality for this one. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> it, maybe you can just, you know, talk in your normal voice. And then once, you know, it would usually be Shane's turn, you can just talk in, in his voice or do your best impression. I don't even know if I could try that. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe once we get going here, you can give her a shot. And uh, but but no, like I said, guys, we are the scout team MVPs, one MVP short. But we're going to do our best to give you guys the best weekly sports talk podcast episode we possibly can. This is episode three of your weekly sports talk podcast. We are on Facebook and Twitter at Scout Team MVPs. Also find us online at www.scoutteammvps.com. Like I said, this is our third episode, and we are going to talk some Week 15 NFL action, see where the playoff picture is at the moment after all those big games went down. We had quite a few upsets happen, so that should be interesting to take a look at. We also have some fantasy football talk. We had week two of the fantasy football playoffs, and I know last week we talked about Shane and I squaring off, uh, and that that matchup is a close one, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on in our episode. We have some college football playoffs to talk about and other notable bowl games that are on the docket for you guys this bowl season, who's in, some of those matchups, team overviews, and maybe we'll even do some some predictions for those bowl games. We have our fourth segment, which is our honorable mentions of the week, talking a little NBA, some MLS, uh, and some college basketball. A couple different topics that are out there that we don't garner the most attention that we want to make you guys aware of. And our final topic of the week is our scouting for picks segment, where we will pick three different NFL games coming up for you guys this week. Rob, I think uh, after my weekend of picks, I might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I think you're in more than a little bit of trouble, Chris. Uh, you can't really lose every pick you choose, so I, I don't know. It seems to be going that way. I think I we might have to think of a new segment if it keeps going down this way. I mean, I thought of that, and I'm starting to regret it. So, yeah, the segment's all right. I think it's the maybe the picker in that in that situation. Oh, ew. well, in that case, I might have to reevaluate. A lot of things. So <laughs> with that, guys, I hope you guys enjoy our third episode of the Scout Team MVPs podcast, and we will be right back after a short break and an ad from our sponsor, Anchor.
And we are back on the Scout Team MVPs podcast. This is episode three of your weekly sports talk podcast. Sitting here now in segment one, and we have a little NFL action from week 15 to go over for you guys. And uh, our first first matchup of the week that we got here, we had Redskins topping the Jaguars 16 to 13. I didn't even think uh, the Jaguars, you know, could get worse, but apparently, apparently they are. Rob, did you did you catch that game at all? Yeah, a little bit, Chris. Definitely came from the quarterback position from the Jaguars. Uh, Cody Kessler starting over Blake Bortles which is concerning if you're that franchise. You drafted him pretty high to make him your franchise quarterback, and he's just not producing. Do you think, uh, you know, obviously being an NFL team, you're looking for that next great franchise quarterback. Wouldn't it, like, behoove teams, like, just to keep drafting quarterbacks high until they, you know, until they hit on one? I mean, it's the most important position. We've seen that. We have quite a few, you know, really, really great QBs in the league right now, but for a team like the Jaguars, either make a trade or just keep drafting a quarterback until you hit, because obviously Blake Bortles is not it. Yeah, I mean, their defense has been decent. Uh, They've always had a pretty decent defense. It kind of just comes down back to that quarterback position. Bortles this year is 22nd in yards, 27th in touchdowns, 15th in interceptions. I only thrown 60% completion, which is 30th in the league. Definitely underperforming for a really high pick. I think it was second overall. So, yeah, you definitely got to look new directions, I think. Like, how crazy is it that, you know, they gave the Patriots everything they could handle last year in the AFC Championship game, and now after this loss to the to the Redskins, they're sitting at 4-10. and 10. I mean, they just they seem to drop big time this year. Yeah, and their de- again, their defense has been solid, but the, that offense is just so stagnant. He's so up and down with Blake Bortles, and you know he'll have a hundred yards one game and four hundred another, and just so inconsistent. And you know that's not something you can really build your team around and win a ton of games, which is why they're four and ten. I mean, look at the stat line for for Cody Kessler, who started for the Jaguars. We had you know fifty seven yards passing and, and one interception. He was also though their their leading rusher with 68 yards on the day actually outrushed Leonard Fournette. Not good for me on my fantasy team, but that's for the next segment. But uh, Josh Johnson for the Redskins, 151 yards, touchdown, you know, average day. Adrian Peterson only 51 yards on the ground. Uh, But, yeah, we had Redskins coming out on top over the Jaguars, 16-13. Another matchup on the week, we had the Vikings trouncing the Dolphins, 41-17. I caught a little bit of that game. Dalvin Cook, obviously a big stat line for them, 136 yards and two touchdowns. You you see that game at all, Rob? Yeah, and he just kind of ran all over the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins haven't really been that great. Uh, They've won a couple close games. They've won a couple games they probably shouldn't have, but they're kind of just a middle-of-the-road team, as the record indicates, and Dalvin Cook had a field day. Yeah, which, I mean, we thought we were going to get big things from Dalvin Cook. Obviously, he had an injury last year. Uh, Seems like he's maybe picking up a little bit late in this season, but just not quite producing uh, the way we thought he was going to. Good to see him have a good game, though. Not, you know, being a Packers fan, don't ever like to see the, the Vikings win, but... Uh, anyways, we'll go on to our next matchup. We had the Titans all over the Giants, 17-0. Obviously, after last week's 40-point performance from the Giants, they could not reproduce, and zero points. Uh, Derrick Henry have another big day. 
Uh, Saquon held very much in check with only 31 yards. Nothing really to see there. Just, you know, two. You know, Titans have had a pretty decent season, I guess, and I've been doing well as of late. Robbie, what do you what do you got on the Titans? Well, the thing I took away from that game was kind of the quarterback play. Eli Manning, he threw that one pick. He didn't really have a great day throwing the ball. And Marcus Mariota only had 88 yards on uh, 20 attempts. So that's that's pretty rough. Way under 10 in average. And again, Derrick Henry did enough for the rest of the team. So. Yeah, I mean, giving the ball to Derrick Henry over 30 times, you know, controlling that ground game. Titans come out on top, 17-0. Uh, another game, we had a Falcons bounce-back win after their loss last week against the Packers. They took care of the Cardinals 40-14. to uh, Julio Jones, uh, 82 yards and a touchdown, stat line there. Nothing much else to, to see in that game. Uh, the next game, though, I think was quite the surprise. We had a Colts 23-0 to victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Rob, what do you think about the Cowboys laying an egg? Well, um, I guess it was bound to happen because uh, I don't personally think they're all that great of team for being eight and six now. Dak Prescott turned up to be who he thought he was, you know, just middle of the road kind of guy as his, you know, season is indicating and didn't have a great game. Um, but, you know, the stat there is Marlon Mack. He had a great game. And I mean, even Andrew Luck sub sub 200 yards in the air and, uh, just kind of boring game overall. Uh, a lot of things happened on the, the running back end for Mac, though. Yeah, the Mac attack is back after having quite the subpar, you know, last few weeks, even month of the season here. I know in our fantasy league, he was traded for, for, for a couple of guys in the pick and didn't really pan out too well. However, in this game, he did have 27 attempts for 139 yards and two TDs. Colts all over the Cowboys, 23-0. Ezekiel Elliott. Slow, slow day for him, 18 attempts and only 87 yards on the ground. Colts over the Cowboys, 23 to 0. And our next matchup, we had the Bengals topping the Raiders, 30 to 16. Not much to, to speak of in that game. I mean, Joe Mixon had had a good day, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Derek Carr, 263 and a touchdown. But we did have the Bengals over the Raiders, 30 to 16. Next matchup on the way, we had a pair of of losing teams in the Bills and the Lions, and we had the Bills coming out on top over Mr. Guthrie's Lions. Rob, what do you think? All in all, I'm not terribly mad. They just The Bills just scored that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. Stafford had a decent day. Uh, Galladay went you know, for almost 150 on seven catches. Actually, not a terrible game. Still kind of stagnant from their offense, which we're used to seeing if you're Lions fans. But, I mean, overall, it wasn't a bad game. I guess you could say the Bills deserved it. <laughs> where, where do the Lions go from here? Obviously, they sit now at 5-9. At and nine. Matthew Stafford, average day, and I, it really hasn't been his season. I mean, he's he's been a good quarterback stats-wise, but really when it comes to wins or wins in the playoffs like it just hasn't been there do you think the Lions regret all that that massive deal they gave to him recently I don't necessarily think they regret it because what are your other options at this point right um he's he's a solid quarterback I love Matthew Stafford but 
is is he your franchise quarterback now when he's underperforming? I don't know, but you gave him all that money, so he has to be. Uh, when Calvin Johnson left, you can totally tell the difference between the offense. Uh, Matthew Stafford's numbers are down. No one can fill Calvin Johnson's shoes. And uh, we kind of are seeing the Matthew Stafford that, you know, is more true to the Matthew Stafford, not the throwing it up to Calvin Johnson every time. Yeah, and I mean, even to a lesser extent too, I mean, Golden Tate was a really solid receiver for them. They traded him to the Eagles this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, being in the NFC North, what exactly the Lions do moving forward. They're kind of in that same spot as the Packers looking right now and looking to for the future here, seeing if they can get a good draft pick and seeing what their offseason holds, maybe get a couple of free agents, kind of fill some some of those gaps where they've been a little bit down this year and past years. And yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see what the Lions do moving forward. Our next game would have been a Shane special considering it involves his Seahawks going down to the 49ers 26 to 23 on a field goal in overtime from the 49ers. I know Shane would have lots and lots to say about this game, but since he's not here on this episode three of the scout team MVPs podcast, it is up to Rob and I to break down this game a little bit. Rob, did you catch that game at all or see any highlights? Because, you know, I was kind of following it throughout the day. And, you know, Nick Mullins, who we touched on, and who's who Shane's boy actually going to Southern Miss, being a, you know, Brett Favre potential understudy there. 49ers coming on top, 26-23. Thoughts on that game? And, I mean, what kind of Seahawks team are we going to see going forward for the rest of the year here? See, if I was Shane, I would argue that, you know, they shouldn't have lost that game. Russell Wilson did enough, ran the ball well, as they should have. But that Mullins guy, he's, you know, turning into a solid option until they find that franchise guy. I don't think he's it. But, well, yeah, he's yeah. definitely enough to, to get obviously get the win in overtime. Yeah, I mean, they got Garoppolo, who's injured this year, and obviously they paid him a bunch of money to be their franchise guy. But, you know, you never know with, with injuries how guys are going to bounce back. But in in the interim, I mean – Nick Mullins doing doing work, getting a win over a Seahawks team who is looking to be in the playoffs this year and make some noise there. But we had the 49ers coming out on top, 26-23 in overtime. Yeah, Chris Carson, big day on the ground for the Seahawks, which is not good because Shana has him on his fantasy team. <laughs> kind of going against me there. Uh, 119 yards and a touchdown. He also caught a few passes as well. But moving, seems like they could throw anybody in that offense, and he will able to you know rush for a hundred yards. It's kind of crazy how good their offensive line is, and obviously the run schemes. Yeah, if I was Shane, I'd be yelling at uh, yelling at the TV right now because they probably should have won that one. <laughs> yeah, especially a team like the 49ers who are down on their luck this year like again after Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, uh, sitting at four and ten, but. Uh, we'll move on to our next matchup of the week. We had the Ravens over the Buccaneers. Uh, Lamar Jackson, modest day, 131 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jameis Winston, 157 and an interception. Uh, Mike Evans did have four catches for 121 yards. So we have the Ravens over the Buccaneers, 20-12. to 12. And in the next matchup here, we talked about it at length last week. It's Packers-Bears. We, we had the Bears coming out on top, 24 to 17 one of three incorrect picks by me which we'll get into later 
but yeah, I mean, I watched the entire game, obviously, and oh, goodness gracious. I mean, zero points in the first quarter by the Packers, only three overall in the first half, down 14-3 at halftime. Did do a little better in the second half, but still coming up just a bit short. They had all the chances in the world to tie and go up in that game, and they just couldn't get it done. Rob, thoughts on Packers-Bears? Yeah, I'm again, I got the pick right. I'm not surprised they lost. I thought it would be a little closer of a game than it was. I mean, it looked pretty close, but, I mean, you could tell the Bears were controlling it the whole time. Aaron Rodgers threw that pick, you know, destroyed that record he was setting there. I am surprised that Chicago wasn't able to hold the Green Bay Packers rush rush game. Um, 55 yards for Williams on 12 attempts. That's pretty decent against that Bears team who held Gurley to under 50 yards. Yeah, Packers had Aaron Jones go down early in that game with a knee injury, and he never returned. Uh, backup Jamal Williams came in, like you said, 12 attempts, 55 yards, and a nice touchdown on the day. Devontae Adams doing what Devontae Adams does, eight catches, 119 yards, and he did go over 100 catches on the year during that game, uh, which is which is nice to see and good for him. He's really turned out to be quite the receiver and obviously the Packers' number one receiving threat. It'll be interesting to see if he can keep that up for years to come because he's he's quite the talent and you know especially getting him in the second round a couple years back. So, Chris, with Aaron Rodgers having a I mean, let's just call it a poor game against a tough Bears defense. All them rumors we've been hearing about Aaron Rodgers maybe leaving Green Bay or them going in a different direction, does this solidify that, or are those just still rumors? Aaron Rodgers going in a different direction? Yeah. I mean, just signing that massive deal he just did, I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. I mean, if, if he does ever leave Green Bay, it'll be probably towards the end of his career, maybe – a la Peyton Manning uh, jumping over to the, the Broncos, playing well for a couple of years, winning another Super Bowl there. But no, I mean, I don't see anything like that happening anytime soon. I mean, he just turned 35. Got to think he's got at least, you know, four, five, six even good years left. Uh, if he can kind of play in that same mold as a Drew Brees and a Tom Brady, which I think he can. I think he's proven it. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere. It will be interesting, though, to see exactly if they don't turn this around and turn it around quickly with a with potentially a new head coach. Um, when I say potentially, I mean, you know, if they decide to go Joe Philbin route, which I don't think they will, but uh, getting a new head coach in there, got to work well with Rodgers, seeing where they go, because Green Bay is not a place where you're going to have a lot of time to, to rebuild. It's it's not a rebuilding team. It's you, you reload. The fans don't allow that. The fans don't allow yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think that they're held to such a high standard, and they know that every single year they need to be competing for championships, and I think the – the higher ups there know that and they're going to do everything they possibly can hopefully to get some more talent on that team because they're young and they just they just looked at they looked apart this year they just did not look good so so if i'm Aaron Rodgers right now what i'm doing is the whole lebron james thing i'm playing coach gm and quarterback <laughs> i'm trying to get people that will work with me especially signing a huge deal you know he's probably not going to go anywhere we always like to entertain it because it's dramatic but yes, he's still got you know at least five good years, and I mean, he's still an amazing quarterback. But yeah, I, I mean, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I got to start pulling some strings. I would think using your leverage to maybe get some better offensive linemen or 
um, some better secondary just to kind of make it so you don't have to outshoot the other team every single game. Yeah, obviously a huge task ahead of the Packers organization, what they're going to do moving forward. be interesting to see that play out. Uh, next game we had in our NFL Week 15 recap, we had a Steelers 17-10 to victory over the Patriots, getting some revenge as they uh, seem to always find a way to lose. The Patriots, another game I picked incorrectly, which again we'll talk about in our scouting for picks segment, but I mean, just a classic Steeler-Patriot game, hard-nosed football, uh, fun to watch, close game, you know, only 17-10. to 10. Rob, thoughts on Patriots-Steelers? Yeah, I mean, and I told you guys last week when I was picking the game that it was going to be a tough one, especially if, if uh, Ben played. But, you know, really it was kind of that situational football again, same thing from last week. Tom Brady, the final play, he had he had the ball with time and a chance to tie it up, and he kind of just threw the ball up there and threw that last pick to end the game, and you know just kind of on Tom Brady like if if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Steelers Patriots game is always fun to watch. You're, it's never gonna really know what you're gonna get, but you do know you're gonna get hard nosed football. We had Steelers coming out on top 17 to 10 there. Got to think they might see each other again here coming up in the playoffs. Next game, another upset special. We had the Eagles and Rams, and we had the Eagles coming out on top 30 to 23, and that was the Sunday night game this weekend. Crazy Nick Foles doing, apparently he just needs to come in for injured Carson Wentz all the time, lead them to the playoffs, and you know win the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I've held this opinion that Nick Foles is probably one of the best backups. He he can start on, I'd say, 75% of NFL teams. I think he's that good, mm-hmm. and it kind of sucks for them because, you know, they got these, you know, this young kid, Carson Wentz, who, you know, shows he's really, really good. But then you got Nick Foles waiting there and, the, you know, to take him to victory and, you know, that game was kind of kind of crazy, really fun to watch. Uh, Jared Goff kind of sucked a little bit through two more picks. Two too many, right? Two picks too many? Yeah, <laughs> two, two picks too many. So he threw four, four that one week. And, I mean, they held Gurley to under 50 yards. And, you know, they turned the ball over still. And it's hard to win, especially, again, Philadelphia is a really hard-nosed team. And, Nick Foles just knows how to get it done. So Yeah, another big set from that game. Alshon Jeffrey, eight catches, 160 yards. Nick Foles loves throwing it to Alshon. Big time victory for the Eagles, 30 to 23 over the Rams. Uh, we did also have the Texans coming out on top of the New York Jets, 29-22. Deshaun Watson, pretty good day, 294, two touchdowns. Sam Darnold continuing to impress, even though you know, on a on a four and ten Jets team here. Gotta think he's their guy going forward for many years to come. I think he's proving it. Uh, he has absolutely no talent on that team, but still putting up decent numbers and you know learning every step of the way in his first year as the Jets starting QB. We also had a Browns victory, 17-16 over the Broncos, bringing the Browns up to six, seven, and one. Crazy to think six victories this year behind a rookie starter Baker Mayfield after not winning a game at all last year. 
Yeah, and, and Baker Mayfield, I, I feel like he's so much like Brett Favre just because he just finds ways to win. He'll he'll scramble. He'll force passes if he needs to, which can be costly as his one interception, you know, dictated. But his jo- his ability to get the job done and do what's needed to win is why they have those six wins. I think he is their future. And, uh, you know, Nick Chubb's doing pretty all right as well this year. He's having a, a great year. And, and I guess those are your, your high points in that team, and you just kind of have to keep building until you got something. Yeah, I mean, especially after coming off zero wins last year, shaking up that organization, uh, having a new GM come in, firing Hugh Jackson early on this season. Seems like they're definitely moving in the right direction. Six wins, uh, especially after that campaign last year, is great. I think Nick Chubb, they're running back. Rookie from Georgia is the unsung hero of this team. I mean, Baker Mayfield has been great, yes, but having a solid running game, especially coming from a rookie uh, like Nick Chubb, I think has been really helpful for that team to sustain drives, keep drives moving, move the sticks. Uh, Jarvis Landry coming over from Miami too. Big veteran presence uh, on that team. We saw that if you watched Hard Knocks at all over the offseason. Browns, I think, are going to be really fun to watch for many years to come. Such a young team, fun to watch. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with their coaching decision as well this offseason. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, I think they're going to be fun to watch. They've added those those key electric pieces. You know, they got Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield, who's just – his week wasn't great, but it's, it's good enough on a Browns team. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to be pretty fun to watch in the future. And they just need to keep adding those, those pieces that's going to get them extra wins. For sure. Definitely going to be fun to watch the Browns in years to come. We also, what a crazy game this was. We had the Chargers 29 over the Chiefs, who had 28. So 29, 28, another game, which we will touch on later in our scouting for pick segments. But awesome game, fun game to watch uh, on Thursday night. Crazy atmosphere at Arrowhead Stadium. Chargers coming out on top by one point. Phillip Rivers. Another good day, 313 yards in the air, two touchdowns. He did have two interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, another decent day, 243 and two touchdowns. But I think the real story in this game too, Rob, and they touched on it a lot on the broadcast, was how the Chargers and the Chiefs are playing you know, third and fourth string running backs right now, but they still keep producing. Crazy to watch, fun to watch. What did you think about that game? I mean, that just goes to show how good their team is. Really, I mean, every you know, every NFL team has a a number one guy for the running back spot. But when you can plug the three and sometimes four in and still get four or five yards of carry, that's pretty good. Um, But to me, in that game, the the MVP of the week is that two point conversion play on the last play. I mean, that's that's a gutsy call. You either lose the game or win the game. It doesn't always work out for him like it did, but you know. Hey, that's football. Yeah, awesome. You know, you always get down in those scenarios, and nine times out of ten, it seems like teams decide just to kick the extra point out of tie it up. But playing away, you don't, you probably don't want any part of overtime there. So going for two and getting it was awesome. Mike Williams for the Chargers, seven catches, seventy-six yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, with Keenan Allen going out in that first series, there tried to come back. Uh, only got you know another play in before he went back out. It looks like he has a hip pointer injury. So Chargers coming out on top, despite no Keenan Allen, no Melvin Gordon, finding a way to beat beating the best team in, in the AFC. 
Yeah, who could have thought that was coming? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yep. I don't know. I guess we'll find out later. <laughs> but that kind of uh, wraps up our NFL Week 15 recap. And let's get into a little bit of the playoff picture as it sits right now. Chiefs still on top of the AFC despite that loss. Uh, Chargers holding down the number one wild card spot. Uh, Texans, Patriots, Steelers, all division leaders right now. Chargers have clinched uh, a playoff spot, and we have the Ravens sitting in that second wild card spot in the AFC. Rob, any little quick thoughts about the AFC playoff picture right now? Yeah, it's it's actually almost set. Obviously, with the Chargers, you know, clinching it up. The Ravens have uh, the Chargers and the Browns next. The Colts have uh, the Giants and Titans. And Titans have Washington and Colt Indianapolis. So, I mean, really it's still kind of up in the air, but, I mean, the way the Colts are playing, I think they're they're probably going to edge the Ravens out there for the for the last spot in the AFC. Yeah, we have the Ravens, like I said, holding on for dear life to that second wild card position at 8-6, and six, but we also have in the hunt the Colts and the Titans at 8-6. and six. Yeah, Interesting to see who jumps up. Steelers sent at 8-5-1 and one there, two leading their division, but I think it's still we have – Two games left this year. It's going to be crazy to see over the past or the next two weeks what what happens in the AFC. Uh, NFC wise, we have a bunch of teams that have clinched their division and clinched a playoff spot: Saints, Rams, and Bears. Bears, like we talked about earlier, clinching the NFC North with their win over Green Bay. Cowboys still leading their division at eight and six, and right now in the wild card spots, we have the eight and six Seahawks. And also the 7-6-1 Vikings with the Eagles, Redskins, and Panthers still in the hunt. And again, I don't, you know, it seems kind of crazy that with two weeks left, we still have potentially, you know, five, six teams here that are could be in or out. Yeah, and, you know, you're right, that's crazy. And not only that, the, the schedule coming up for all of those teams in the hunt and the wild card in my opinion, they're all pretty much toss-ups. The only team you can really count out are the Panthers. They play Atlanta, and then New Orleans, and then New Orleans again, I'm pretty sure. So probably two more losses at least, if not three. So uh, you can almost count them out. The Eagles play Houston and Washington. So that's kind of a toss-up. Redskins play Tennessee and Philadelphia, kind of a toss-up again. Uh, the Vikings and Seahawks both have, you know, really good teams ahead of them. Seahawks play Kansas City next. Uh, Vikings play Chicago their last game. So, again, it's still kind of a toss-up, but you can almost kind of see that it's definitely going to sit kind of how it is right now. Yeah, I think no matter what we get, it's going to be an exciting playoff time this year in the NFL. Lots of good teams, lots of points, lots of good offenses, some good defenses sprinkled in there. Always a fun time when we get down to this time of year. It'll be awesome to watch the last two weeks of the regular season. Uh, We will be back shortly right after this. And we're back here on the Scout Team MVPs podcast. This is episode three, and we're jumping right into our second segment of the episode where we're going to talk some fantasy football, kind of recap week two of the playoffs that just went down. We touched on it last week. We had a Scout Team MVPs matchup in this round of the playoffs, me versus Shane. You know, 
I'm not sure if it's a good thing that Shane's in on this episode or a bad thing, considering uh, we're recording this and it's still kind of a toss-up. Uh, you guys are going to hear us this week, Wednesday, but as we're talking right now, we have such a barn burner on our hands, and I mean, we're not probably going to know what happens until uh, till next week, but close game we got on our hands. Always a fun time this time of year, fantasy football playoffs. We had some huge performances, again, from some of the top names in the NFL. Rob, any thoughts on you know this time of year for fantasy football players? Oh, it's just so up and down. I mean, in our league especially, I am having a great week. I've, you know, I think like 130. I mean, oh, and... I mean, Rob, Rob, great week. Yes, but you're you're in the last yeah, place. Game. No, I understand that, but every other team is scoring, you know, barely 100 points. So that's it's kind of really bad for our league. Yeah, just it's up and down this time of year, and you know, we're kind of seeing it here in our playoffs. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot that's gone down the past couple of weeks. I mean, we've had so many different injuries, you know, suspensions. We've had injuries to you know, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, uh, Odell out the last couple of weeks, uh, AJ Green coming back for, you know, a couple of plays and then gone again, Greg Olson out. So just a lot of different names that are mainstays for our teams and our league for sure that have gone out and definitely affected fantasy teams. And I'm sure affected a lot of the fantasy teams out there for all of you listening. We're going to go through a little bit of a rundown, just like we did last week, of the top five scoring performances. And this is based on ESPN PPR standard scoring. Coming in at number one on the week, we had DeAndre Hopkins of the Houston Texans coming in with 39 points. 10 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. He continues to just be a stud. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why I traded for him in the in the offseason here. So, yeah, I mean, he's been electric all year. He's not going to stop. So Yeah, definitely, I think, going to be, you know, a big addition to that last place and uh, your phrase of the week last week, dumpster fire of a team. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Hopkins, definitely going to be a great addition for you. Be interesting to see if, if he can keep it up moving forward. I think he can. I mean, he's he's still young. He's also got a young QB, and they seem to have a really good rapport with each other. Uh, going to be a, a stud for for many years to come. Yeah, and that's and that's like you touched on it—the rapport with Watson. You know, that's where it matters. Uh, Watson knows he's the guy, and he he goes to him a ton, and that's why he's got the production on top of being just super talented. So, yeah, I don't see that stopping anytime soon. For sure, DeAndre Hopkins again coming in with thirty nine points on the week, topping the list. Uh, coming in at second, kind of a surprise, but not really a surprise after Keenan Allen went down. We had Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers coming in at 36.5 points. You know, he had seven catches on the night, 76 yards, two touchdowns, and also that crucial go-ahead two-point conversion to ultimately decide the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, definitely, like you said, surprising, but not really. Keenan Allen going out with huge you know, he's just kind of that big body though, you know, he's, I think he's like six foot four, kind of that jump, jump guy, you know, he just gets up and, and goes to get it. He's made two really good touchdown catches and he just had a good week. For sure. Definitely needed by the Chargers after Keenan went down, like we said, uh, coming in at number three on the week, we had Todd Gurley of the Los Angeles Rams, 34.4 points. Uh, he only had 12 rushes and 48 yards, but he did have two touchdowns on the ground. But the huge stat for this week for him, especially in a PPR league, is 10 catches, 76 yards. Todd Gurley bounced back week after an only a 
you know, eight point performance last week. Yeah, I mean, again, under fifty yards this week, but he scored two times and what he can't do on the ground, he obviously made up in the past game, like you said, the ten catches. I mean, just in you know, it's it's crazy what he's able to do and what the offense allows him to do and how, how often they look to get him the ball. He's definitely a Mr. You know, do it all for them on the ground, through the air, such a good running back, such a good player. Uh, Going to just be awesome for them, obviously, for many years to come, as long as they can hold on to him. Uh, coming in at number four for the week, kind of a surprise here, Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs running back with 30.3 points, 10 rushes, 49 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, six catches, 74 yards through the air, like we touched on last week, Rob. I mean, just another Kansas City Chiefs running back that they plug in who produces. Yeah, and, and it just seems like that's the difference between these these really elite teams like the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints, and even the Chargers. They just plug whoever they need to in. They end up getting it done, and this week it was Damian Williams. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy because he's on my fantasy team. So even though my game didn't matter, you know, he added to that. Yeah, for sure. Good pickup for you coming in, you know, 30.3 points on the week, you know, coming at number four on the list of top performing players. Getting at number five, how frustrating. I mean, I just, Derrick Henry coming at number five of the Tennessee Titans after his monster week last week, coming in again with over 30 points at 30.2 points on 33 carries, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry, absolutely nothing all year long. Last two weeks, just putting up monster numbers. Last two weeks, he's combined for 400 yards and six touchdowns. That definitely can't keep happening. It's just impossible, I would imagine. You know, he's just as frustrating as, you know, someone like Marlon Mack where, you you know, you have high hopes for him and he's kind of up and down. You know, Marlon Mack scored this week more more points in this week than he did the last three weeks combined, uh, definitely yard yardage-wise. But, yeah, Derrick Henry just so frustrating. I'd hate to have him on my team. He would always be on the bench, and he would burn me every week. Yeah, like you said last week, Rob, I mean, Derrick Henry was on the waiver wire up until this week. I mean, got a late pickup from a team that is actually going to be making the championship game. Definitely helped him there with that 30-point performance like we talked about. Yeah, like you said, frustrating player. Crazy to think, though, after all the I hopes him coming out of Alabama's Heisman Trophy winner. Big body, he can run, he can catch. But definitely a subpar performance until the last two weeks. So interesting to see if he can keep that up in Tennessee. That just about wraps up our segment number two, talking a little fantasy football action in our week two of the playoffs recap. And we will be back with you guys shortly. And we're back here on episode three of the Scout Team MVPs podcast. I am Chris McMillan, and with me is Rob Guthrie, who's Shane, out on a work assignment this week. Uh, we're jumping into segment three, college football playoffs coming up here. Bowl game action is in, in full swing. Always a fun time of year for your college team that you root for. No matter what bowl game they're playing in, it's always fun to watch. Uh, even if there seems to be about 60,000 different bowl games and everybody makes one, but 
always fun for the players and fans to see their team one more time for the year. But specifically, we're going to jump right into the college football playoffs and those top four teams that made it this year. We had number four, Oklahoma, who was going up against number one, Alabama. We have number three, Notre Dame, against number two, Clemson. We'll first start with the Oklahoma-Alabama matchup. Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray on that Oklahoma team going up against number one Alabama, who's 13 and 0. December 29th, you know, 7 o'clock Central game on ESPN. You know, it's going to be awesome to see Heisman Trophy winner up against that Alabama defense. Oh, 100%. Uh, I'm excited to see if he's worth all the hype for that Heisman. Um, probably never played anything like that Alabama team. So, I mean, we'll see. I think his legs are going to be a big part of this game if he can. If he can run run for a lot of yards this game, I think they'll they'll make it a little tougher than Alabama intends. Yeah, I think this matchup kind of reminds me of when Johnny Manziel and the Texas A&M beat Alabama a few years back. Johnny Manziel, obviously a mobile quarterback. Uh, I think Kyler Murray kind of in that same mold as far as he being able to use his legs to escape the pressure. Hopefully, you know, a good game. I don't want to see any blowouts, you know, when it comes down to playoff time. But, yeah, Oklahoma and Alabama – on December 29th, and we also that's the Orange Bowl game, and we also have the Cotton Bowl with number three Notre Dame versus number two Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame, undefeated Clemson, another game on December 29th. That one's at 3 p.m. Central Time, and that's at AT&T Stadium. Jerry World, always fun when Notre Dame is, is playing good college football, right, Rob? Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, uh, I just don't like Notre Dame, never have, never will, I guess. I just feel like they're kind of almost like the Bears to us here in Wisconsin. Yeah, I guess I you're a Michigan know. fan, though. Maybe that's where the bias comes from, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, but, yeah, whatever. I mean, personally, Clemson, I think, is a better team. More overall, you know, solid overall and good good passing team. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what becomes of those two matchups. And the winners, obviously, facing each other in the national championship game. Um, a big topic of discussion all throughout you know, college football over the past couple of years, ever since they instituted the four-team playoff, is, is four teams enough? And I think we kind of want to jump into that a little bit, Rob, and kind of discuss our thoughts and opinions on, is four teams enough? Should it be six? Should it be eight? Should it be 16? Just because I think, as you saw this year, with the teams that made it into the playoff, you had a couple of the Power Five conferences left out. You had a 12-1 and Big Ten champion, Ohio State, uh, left out, we you know they beat Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. You also had a Pac-12 champion, Washington, not make it. I mean, is this kind of where it's headed? Is it going to be eight teams? Is it going to be even more than that? Any thoughts on on that, Rob? Yeah, and I'm kind of hoping it is because personally, unless your team is the one of the four teams you don't really care unless, you know, it's the final game. That's really all I plan on watching. But what you kind of do, what happens is you just isolate all them them better teams. And since there's so much talent disparity within college football, you almost have to open it up to as many teams as possible so you get the most accurate results. And, you know, just limited in the four just isn't doing it for me. <laughs> Maybe that's me because I'm sitting – Sitting with my Michigan team at number seven, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, your Michigan team is in one of those spots where, yeah, maybe making one of those big arguments for an eighteen playoff. Uh, I think there's a couple different things that could happen here. I definitely think it needs to be at least eight 
for sure. If you look at the fifth through eighth ranked teams here right now, you have Georgia at number five, Ohio State six, Michigan seven, and then undefeated UCF at eight. You could always give those top two you know, ranked teams a buy because they're always talking about it's just more and more games for these players to play. But, I mean, they're doing spring ball. They're doing you know their training camps. They're doing their two-a-day stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like... I don't buy that argument as far as it being too much football. Uh, it's all about the almighty dollar at the very end. I think it's ultimately going to happen. Eight teams is probably going to be where it sits. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see how those different, you know, little logistical things play out, how that money is spread out, how they do it. If there's going to be any buy games, you know, buy weeks for teams. Um, and then you're going to also have those potential teams like UCF who've now, you know, they declared themselves a national championship team last year being undefeated, sitting at undefeated 12-0 again this year, um, you're going to give opportunities to teams like that to really showcase what they got on the national stage. Does it mean they're going to win? I don't know. I mean, but that's why they play the game, right? Yeah, and if I'm Central Florida right now, second year in a row going undefeated, not even sniffing the playoffs, I'm kind of upset a little bit because, I mean, you you think you got a good team. Sure, their schedule might not be as strong, but – you know, you can't go 12-0 and unless you're a good team. And, you know, I'd like to see them put up against someone like Georgia or Ohio State even. I don't know. I just think it would be kind of kind of interesting. Even Clemson or Notre Dame, like, there's tons of matchups you can have where it would make things more enjoyable for the whole entire college football community, not just kind of Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the best way – let me know your thoughts on this. I mean, you have those Power 5 conferences. Why not just take the winners of every Power 5 conference, you know, so that's five teams right there, and then you have the three wild cards, which would allow teams like, you know, a UCF or, you know, a Georgia, Ohio State, or you know what I mean, just things like that to get into that playoff. So take the five, because obviously those Power 5 conferences – are usually the very best teams in the nation. You're also going to have those wildcard teams like Notre Dame, who is not affiliated with any conference in football. Um, so I think maybe that's an, an option that you might be able to go. Yeah, and, you know, I like that option. I And like you said, I think it has to be at least eight teams. I'm looking at more 10 just because of how much depth there is in these Power 5 conferences. I mean, there's at least two teams that, that are worthy of playoff spots and almost – every single conference but yeah i mean eight teams is definitely the way i would go um if not 10 but it's just so hard to know what college football is going to do the ncaa is just ugh, i don't know what to even say about them yeah it's definitely a topic for us to probably touch on in the future but as we sit right now it is a four-team playoff and we have you know alabama clemson notre dame and oklahoma vying for that national championship this year, and it'll be awesome to watch and see who comes out on top. Uh, we do also have some other notable bowl games coming up here. We have a Fiesta Bowl with number 11 LSU taking on that undefeated UCF team like we talked about. Uh, that's a New Year's Day bowl game on ESPN. We also have the Rose Bowl game, number 9 Washington versus number 6 Ohio State. Sugar Bowl, we have Texas and Georgia. That's at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, another New Year's Day Bowl. 
Pinstripe Bowl, which is near and dear to everybody here in Wisconsin, played at Yankee Stadium in a rematch of last year's Orange Bowl game. We have Wisconsin taking on Miami, and that game is this Thursday, 4.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Like I said, that game is played at Yankee Stadium. Not a very good season for the Badgers this year. Hoping to finish the year strong with a bowl victory over Miami. Uh, last game that we have for you guys is the Peach Bowl, number 10 Florida, taking on number 7 Michigan. Rob, I know you have a few thoughts probably on that game. Yeah, um, obviously I'm hoping Michigan comes away with it, but Florida is one of them teams where it's kind of hit or miss. And, you know, Michigan has shown that they can be beaten. <sighs> I just, I'm hoping for a win, um, something good to happen out of this season that I was had really high hopes for in reality, but they just kind of let me down. So if they can at least give me a win in the Peach Bowl, I'll be a little happier. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in the same boat. It's obviously, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan needing a win to finish out strong on this season and take them into this offseason, hopefully a strong showing in 2019. Fun segment, Rob. Fun to talk about college football playoffs and also will be fun to watch what goes down. Back here on the Scout Team MVPs podcast, this is episode three of your weekly sports talk podcast. Coming right into segment number four and our honorable mentions of the week. Just to recap for you guys, this segment we like to do about different topics in the sports world that aren't garnering as much attention as we think they should, kind of make you guys aware. And that first topic of our honorable mention of the week is a little NBA action and kind of where records are at right now. You know, such a difficult time, I think, for NBA fans because there's just so much football going on, especially bowl season is here. Uh, NFL playoffs are right around the corner. So we want to kind of go back and kind of touch on where the records kind of sit right now and where your favorite team might be at. Starting out in the Western Conference, we have the Denver Nuggets holding down the number one spot at 20-9. and nine. We have the Warriors closely on their heels 20 and 10, Oklahoma City Thunder in third at 18 and 10, Lakers jumping up into that top four, sitting at 18 and 12. That's going to be, I think that's going to come down to the wire for sure. Uh, going back over to the East, we have the Raptors holding it down at the number one spot. I'm sure Drake is plenty happy about that. 23 and 9 for them so far this year. Milwaukee Bucks in second, 19 and 9 on the season. Indiana Pacers coming in at number three, 20 and 10. 76ers number four, 2011. And those Celtics who did go on a pretty nice winning streak there, but did lose recently, sitting in at the five seed at 18 and 11. Rob, any quick thoughts on where the standings stand right now? And also, I know you have a few trade rumors mm-hmm. and some trades that went down already. Yeah. Um. As far as the standings go, my two big standouts on the west are the spurs and the rockets i mean spurs are right at 500 and so are the rockets i mean that's kind of surprising because of how good they are but yeah the nuggets surprisingly playing well they're not stopping um the bucks are starting to pick up on the the raptors here you know they're only a game and a half back now yeah i know there's a lot of season left to play but that's going to be a a matchup and uh kind of something to keep our our eyes on as the the season progresses. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Bucks losing in the playoffs last year to the Raptors. And I think, you know, maybe what it takes is getting a couple fresh faces on that lineup. And they did so recently with a trade they made, didn't they? Yeah, um, not so much as the fresh faces. They did get George Hill and Jason Smith in a three-team trade with the Cavs and the Wizards. But the big thing there for the Bucks is they got rid of Matthew Della Vadova and John Henson, who had huge contracts, not necessarily playing all that well. Della Vadova, more of a defensive player, just kind of wasn't cutting it. So they get a couple solid mix-in players to hopefully, um, you know, to jumpstart their roster here a bit to keep them going. But uh, some more trades. Uh, the the Cavs traded away Kyle Korver for Alec Burks for with the Jazz. That was a pretty big trade. Alec Burks, pretty young, pretty solid player. Kyle Korver getting up there. He's almost 40 years old. Pretty much all he can do is shoot three-pointers. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see who wins that trade. Uh, and then probably one of the bigger ones is the Wizards and the Suns traded, uh, traded some people over the weekend. And uh, Austin Rivers is now on the Suns with Kelly Oubre. And in return, the Wizards get Trevor Ariza. And that all stemmed kind of from the the three-team trade between the Grizzly Wizards and Suns. Uh, the Grizzlies actually thought that they were getting a different Brooks. And they said, uh, we don't want to give up that Brooks, so we're out of here. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's just kind of crazy that in today's day and age that there can actually be mix-ups like as easy as the guy has the same last name and we don't know who we're trading for. I mean, you would think it's as easy as putting in a first initial of that first name right next to the last one. I mean, I don't know. How I mean, I don't care if you have to put in the whole first name, like how does that get screwed up? That's yeah, just crazy. That's definitely a, a, definitely a big one. Then another big trade is Jimmy Butler, obviously going to the 76ers with, with Patton on the Timberwolves got Sarich Covington and Jared Bayless, who is an ex buck, but Came from the Timberwolves. So, yeah, a lot of moves, not too many big names in those moves, but definitely, you know, players involved that can definitely shake up rosters and kind of turn things around for certain teams. Yeah, obviously, Jimmy Butler trade happening earlier on this year, probably the biggest name that we've talked about so far. But it'll be awesome to see and interesting to see, especially for your favorite team, if they make any free agent additions or send some of those guys with huge contracts, kind of like the Bucks today with Henson and Del Vadova, out the door, kind of clear some cap space and maybe make a run at some big names in 2019. That kind of wraps up our first honorable mention of the week. Uh, we also have some MLS playoff restructure. Rob, why don't you jump into that? Well, in 2018 this year, um, Atlanta United won – the MLS Cup. Their structure was two leg playoffs games, so you play each, you know, the teams twice, and then you advance. The final game is just the one one final game. But what they did now is in 2019 they they increased the number of teams that make the playoffs by two from 12 to 14. So that's gonna add a couple more good teams that didn't quite make the cut. Uh, they are changing it also to single elimination, so there's not as many games. Kind of modeling it after the NFL, just due to how big the NFL is. So, you know, exciting changes out of the MLS. And only one team in each conference is going to get a first-round bye. So, and another big thing is no more reseeding. So if 
Uh, number seven seed, for example, upsets a number two. They still play the winner of number three versus number six in all the results, unlike where they would reseed and then play the higher or lower seed. Yeah, so just big things in the MLS coming. Um, not to mention the expansion to 26 teams in 2020 with the inclusion of Inter Miami, owned by David Beckham. So, you know, big things. Hope you guys are able to tune in this at least one MLS game. Super exciting to watch. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, MLS, you know, in the United States definitely seems to be growing. And as you can see by the formation of some of these new teams coming into the league, you know, also getting some some more playoff teams in there, definitely trying to do some things to garner more attention, get people interested, get people talking. Uh, awesome to see MLS growing in the United States. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do here upcoming in the future. Third honorable mention of the week, we're going to touch quickly on some college men's basketball. Number one, Kansas won a close game against defending national champion Villanova, and that game was a Final Four rematch from last year. Kansas coming out on top, 74-71. Just a quick little rundown of some of the top teams in college basketball. We have Kansas in at number one, Duke number two, Tennessee three, Gonzaga four, Michigan five, little bit of a rundown there, the college basketball standings, where things are at right now. Uh, Rob, not sure. Uh, are you, are you a Wisconsin fan? Are you a, are you one of those, one of those Duke fans or something like that? No, obviously you guys, you guys can probably tell I'm a huge Michigan supporter, but I'm always going to support my home team. I've, you know, always proud of when, when they, they're good and when they're bad. Um, yeah. So I'll root for Wisconsin as long as they're not playing Michigan. <laughs> Badgers, down year last year uh not making the ncaa tournament for the first time in a very long time but bouncing back quite nicely so far this year um more thoughts on michigan rob yeah i just i'm super excited they're 10 and 0 right now i think if they can get a couple more wins push themselves in the top top three spots i don't see them going above kansas or duke though Kansas has just too many big scores, and obviously Duke does as well with the freshman four. Duke definitely been impressive so far early on this season, but Kansas sitting at 8-0 and holding down the number one spot very, very early on in the season. But just kind of want to get you guys kind of thinking about it a little bit and give you some of those top teams in college basketball. That wraps up our fourth segment our honorable mentions of the week, and we will be right back with segment number five and scouting for picks. Welcome back to the Scout Team MVPs podcast. We are jumping into segment number five, our favorite segment of the week. I am your host, Chris McMillan, with me as always is Rob Guthrie. We are missing Shane this week, but you know, we'll recap our picks from last week where where it all went wrong. Obviously everything went wrong for me, but uh Shane not being here, we're gonna kind of exclude him this week and kind of move along just the two of us. Uh week 15 recap of our picks. We had Chargers at Chiefs on Thursday night football. Chargers coming out on top 29 28 Rob, you were the only person to pick that game correctly. You took the Chargers. 
Yeah, um, like you know, I laid it all out for you guys last week, but you know the defense was better, and it showed. Um, Mahomes kind of struggled in pressure time, and Philip Rivers really didn't. So that was kind of the decider there. Yeah, crazy ending to that game, going for two and get, ultimately getting the victory. So that puts you, you know, at one and zero for for the week so far. We're at zero and one. Next game. Packers at Bears, as we recapped earlier, Bears on top 24-17. Rob, you and Shane both picked Bears, and of course, for whatever reason, maybe it's just because I'm a homer, I picked Packers, and you boys picked the Bears. Yeah, uh, we definitely went with the sensible pick. You kind of picked from your heart, which is a rookie play on this sort of thing. <laughs> but I mean, again, it in all honesty, it wasn't that bad from the Packers. It could have been really close at the end but yeah doesn't matter they still lost so i win <laughs> yeah you and shane picking that game correctly a lot of mistakes from the packers missing a lot of open receivers not getting the job done but ultimately i was wrong and let's see our last game we had patriots and steelers steelers won that game 17 to 10 we all went patriots uh for this game and so we were all completely wrong yeah, uh, Big Ben ended up playing. So, I mean, I even said it in last week's you know, podcast that if Big Ben played, it'd be a little closer. Tom Brady, again, kind of screwed up in crunch time there, which is kind of abnormal. But, yeah, that definitely could have went either way. I'm glad both of you guys picked him wrong, too, so I don't feel as bad. But, uh, yeah, that's the first loss for this week. You were 2-0 going into that matchup for the week, so that puts you at 2-1 and on the week. Bring our overall scouting for picks standings at Shane, 3-3. Three and three. Rob, you're sitting at 3-3, three and three, and I am... Ouch. Whoa. 1-5. <laughs> so, looks like I got some work to do this week, Rob, and I mean, I'm for sure going to go 3-0, and all right, this week. <laughs> Yeah, well, you said that last week, and we know how that turned out, so I don't know if I'd be saying that this week. Okay, well, our first Week 16 matchup that we will pick in this Scouting for Picks segment is the Texans, who are 10-4 at the 7-7 Eagles. Eagles coming off that huge victory over the Rams. They play Sunday at noon Central Time. Rob, give me your pick, Texans at Eagles. See, this is going to be a tough one because uh, Houston has a really good run offense. And Philadelphia has a good, a decent run defense. Um, so it's going to be Hopkins and Watson uh, that are going to have to win this game. Uh, Houston is 5-2 and two away. So, you know, I'm, I'm going with Houston. Uh, that's mainly because of Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I mean, I, I need a win. Um, I'm not fully sold again on, on Nick Foles now as the Eagles quarterback. It's already come out, and he will be starting this game again for the second straight week for the injured Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sold on the Eagles and, and Nick Foles, so I'm going to have to to go Texans as well for that matchup. Second scouting for picks matchup of the week, we have the 8-5-1 Steelers at the 11-2 Saints. Rob, what do we got for this game? So this one, to me, isn't that hard. I'm going with the Saints for a few reasons. Uh, the Saints have, you know, one of the best run defenses in the league, if not the best. Pittsburgh also is one of the worst rushing teams in the league, so it's going to really force them to throw the ball a lot. And uh, I think the Saints' defense will do enough in the air to uh, 
to be able to take him out. And New Orleans is, you know, 5-1 and one at home. It's just kind of one of those things where, you know, everything is kind of pointing their way. Yeah, Saints having a really good season this year. Steelers did have a really nice victory over the Patriots. This is a tough one. I mean, it could definitely go either direction. I think what it ultimately comes down to, though, is this be this game being played in New Orleans. So I am going to take the Saints. Our third and final scouting for picks matchup of the week. It is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Seattle Seahawks. Coming to you on Sunday night football this week. Kind of, you know, Seahawks coming off that, that devastating loss against the Niners. Chiefs coming off that loss against the Chargers. What are we going to see in that Sunday night matchup, Rob? Based on the defensive stats for both of these teams, it's probably going to be a fairly offensive game. Obviously, Seattle on the ground, best rushing team in the NFL. Kansas City probably do it in the air. Second best throwing team in the NFL. I mean, they both have very good records. Uh, Kansas City has a very good record away, and Seattle has a very good record at home. I think it's really hard to play in Seattle, um, so it almost makes me want to go with Seattle. And matter of fact, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a, take an upset here and take Seattle at home for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a, that's a bad pick at all. At any time... Seahawks playing at home, no matter who they're playing, they're they're tough to tough to beat, especially on Sunday night football primetime game in that environment. I'm sure all the twelves out there in Seattle will be out in full force, making a lot of noise, making it extremely difficult for Patrick Mahomes and that Chief offense while they're out in the field. Oh man, I mean, this game could definitely go either direction. Uh, both coming off tough losses, like we said. Uh, you know what? Mm, I'm just going to have to go Chiefs just because you went Seahawks and I have lots of ground to make up already <laughs> through a little, a little bit, yeah. only a couple weeks here of the scouting for picks. So, yeah, I'm going to go Chiefs and after you go Hawks there. I mean, it's not a bad pick. They're really good, great offensively. What sets it apart for me, Chris, is how bad the Chiefs defense is. And usually every week I say that. But they always end up, you know, catching an interception or recovering a fumble for some reason. So maybe it'll help you out, which, you know, you're welcome. But yeah, I mean, just terrible defensive numbers from Kansas City and at home for Seattle. I'm just, I don't know how you can pick the Chiefs. You, you big dumb. Oak. Yeah, I'm something. That's right. But yeah, like I said, it pretty much just came down to you and you and Seahawks. So I, I had to do something different. I mean, we, we were kind yeah, of on the same page okay. the first two matchups there. So I'm going to go a little bit off the board from you and take the Chiefs over the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, which that uh, brings our scouting for picks segment to a close. And we will be right back here on the Scout Team MVPs podcast to wrap it up. Back here for our final segment on episode three of the Scout Team MVPs podcast. Wrapping things up for you guys on another great episode. Talked a little NFL action. We had some fantasy football talk this week. Broke down some of the the things happening, you know, in college football, college football playoffs coming up, bowl game season. We had MLS. We had NBA trades. Kind of a little bit of everything today, Rob. How'd it go for you? 
Um, great day for me here in the studio. It's really nice reflecting on a two-in-one week for the pick'em section. Uh, I don't know. I not too many zero and threes out there, but you know, they're bound to happen. Yeah, that's where you go. Cough, Chris. Cough. You know that kind of. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah no, no, hopefully I can bounce back in, in these next couple of games here, but definitely a fun episode, Rob. Thank you for joining me as always. Hope to get Shane back on next week. Thank all you guys for listening to episode three. As always, find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter. We are at scout team MVPs also at anchor.fm slash scout team MVPs. And everywhere that you guys listen to podcasts, we're out there. We're available. Check us out. Uh, also at www.scoutteammvps.com is our website. As always, feel free to throw a little donation our way if you like what you hear from the Scout Team MVPs to help keep us running. Great episode. Wrapping up episode number three. Tune in next week for episode number four. Rob, catch you later. See you later, buddy. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Scout Team MVPs. Be sure to subscribe and tune in next week as the MVPs discuss all the nonstop action in the world of sports.